Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I'm joined by Adam Rush. Adam, so glad you can make it on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Adam and I met at Deep Dish, which I'll be going to this year, so I'm super excited about that. I don't know. Are you going? Was it Deep Dish we met? I think it was... Um, or was it 360 iDev? It was 360 iDev. That's yeah. right. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Another that's conference. right. <laughs> so many. Yeah. So I'll let you start by introducing yourself. Yeah, so my name's Adam Rush, as you've said. I live here in the UK and have done, I was born here, of course. But I've traveled all over the world speaking, also working as well. But nowadays I try to live a slower pace of life shall we say i say slow pace of life but i don't know putting a hosting a conference nothing big, yeah, totally <laughs> yeah i live here with my wife and two children so that also keeps me busy here at home so yeah i've been an ios dev since the iphone 3gs came around so however many years that was and i've been doing that ever since what what got you interested in iphone development so it's an interesting story so i was doing i was mainly messing around doing websites and tinkering around with stuff like that and it was my brother actually who bought the 3g the iphone 3g and he's a bit older than me but he was like showing off this look at this phone i've got this phone and i was playing super ignorant i was like ah terrible phone i'd never want that phone but deep down i was super jealous and i was just uh annoyed that he got this phone and, and then I was like nagging my parents to, to buy me the next iPhone. And luckily they did, which was the 3GS. And then just by sheer curiosity, I started investigating what apps were and how they were built and all this sort of stuff. And that's how it spiraled into what it turned out to be. What? Well, we'll start by talking about the big event we have going on. I think t as of the recording, ticket sales have been out. So you have a big conference that you host. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm the organizer, founder of Swift Leads. We're rolling onto our fourth year, fourth edition. Nice. And yeah, ticket sales have literally gone on sale yesterday as of today, but obviously this is going out further on, but we've just released the tickets and yeah, super exciting time when we launch tickets. It's, it's quite magical because here I am launching a conference and Five years ago, I had this idea to do this and I thought maybe 50 people will turn up and maybe people I know and associate will, will support me and buy tickets. But now we're at a level where we have people buying tickets who I'm not sure who they are. So it's quite overwhelming because I'm like, I don't know this person. What? How do they find Swift Leads? What? So why did you want to start Swift Leads? What was your goal? Yeah, so I've always been a huge fan of conferences. I think they're super important for the community for us all to have to for those to exist and when i started doing ios development i was reading tutorials and, and doing what everyone else does when they're starting out and i found a conference in the uk ios wk and i thought i should go to this and see what it's about and from that moment everything changed i had such an amazing time and i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna attend conferences and i kept attending conferences and then i started getting into speaking and going to more conferences in different countries and stuff and at that point i thought i think we can do something different i think there's right a gap in conferences that we can or could be fulfilled and i always had this idea for years and 
I just kept parking the idea because I thought I'm not capable of doing something like that. It's a lot of work. Maybe there's not enough space in the UK for another conference. So my rationale was I saw a gap of a conference being a little bit different. And I thought I've got a lot of ideas I can give to a conference. And that was the driver to, to spinning up Swift Leads. I want you to have that opportunity to make your sales pitch. Why should people go to Swift Leads this year? Swift Leads is different to most conferences, I would say. And there's quite a few reasons why that is. I'd say the number one reason is we're non-profit. Nobody taking part in the conference is making money. The only people that make money is the venue and people who provide equipment hire and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, we don't make money. So what that means is we can keep ticket prices affordable. So we can keep the ticket costs pretty low in comparison to other conferences. But then it also means everything we do generate, we pump back into the conference. And you've only got to look at the swag that we hand out. It's high quality. It's unique in, in many ways. We think people get the value of that or see the value of that when they come to the conference. So that's probably like the number one reason. The next reason is we give so many new first-time speakers an opportunity to be on stage and present. I think last year alone it was like 80 percent were first-time speakers or something like that that's awesome so you don't see this yeah you don't see the same typical speakers we we get new people on stage we give them that training that they need and we give them the opportunity they need so that's another sort of unique u- uniqueness to swift leads and then the other thing i would say is the environment we create is very fun it's very playful with the lights on the stage we, we give a lot of energy into the conference you're not in a lecture room you're in a big theater it's it's got that sort of playful element and we think that creates a an environment where people can network they can learn they can collaborate with others real sort of inclusive environment where people can thrive what are some topics you're interested in this year as far as what you think is going to be hot as far as what people are interested in. I know there's a certain product that's coming out today that probably there's going to be a few talks on today, the day of the recording. So there's that. What else do you think is going to be hot at Swift Swift Leads this year? Yeah, I think for sure Vision Pro is going to be, it's going to be up there and tapping into Vision OS. I'm not sure actually. We're doing something slightly different this year in the sense that we're going to open, this is an exclusive by the way, we're going to open Call for Papers twice. So we're going to oh, open it okay. on, yeah, so we're going to open it on the 1st of March, like we we normally do. But then we're going to also open it after WWDC to see if Makes there's sense. any anything we might have missed that, that, that could be introduced this year. Because, I don't know, I was looking at the, I was looking at some articles over the course of this week and it looks like iOS 18 is getting a huge like undertaking. So I'm really curious about what AI stuff they're introducing into iOS. And yeah, maybe that's going to be some hot topic that could be at Swift Leads. Let's talk about that. We did the last episode about the Vision Pro and the EU stuff and the App Store stuff with Kyle, which was awesome. But today, let's talk about like your expectations for DubDub. What was, so you've read, I saw a few bits and pieces today about AI and iOS 18. You want What have you read, if much, in regards to that? Yeah, so they... Obviously, this is very much speculation. That we and read, it could change know, by the time um, the episode comes it, out, it, for all we know. Yeah, but go yeah. ahead. 
But it, it looks like a lot of the AI is getting, I guess, like Siri in a nutshell, I think he's going to be changing quite a lot in the sense that it's going to be a lot more predictive in 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 what it suggests to the user. So I think Siri is going to be massively changing in this OS release. And I think we're going to see a lot less emphasis on hardware and more emphasis on software. And I think AI is probably going to be up there in, in that that's what Apple is seeking to promote. So I think, yeah, we saw Siri starting to predict, hey, you're going to this location again. Are you visiting X place? And that's already built into the OS. But I think we'll see the next level of that where perhaps perhaps Siri is inserting calendar events for that place or little things like that and taking it to that next level. It seems like Apple's kind of in an awkward position. They've been doing machine learning for a while and they've been pushing it. And ChatGPT comes out and now we have all this other stuff that's come out since that has like skyrocketed and been super popular and useful. And we've talked about how I've used it. Now it's like, we're still like, if you try using Siri, it's like feeling like you're using something from 15 years ago. And it's like an awkward position. Like, what do you think is different from... I can, I know what's different, but I'm going to ask you about what machine learning that Apple has been doing and the machine learning and the stuff that's been coming out in the last like year or so. And not just, obviously it's better, but what do you think? Why do you think Apple is behind in a way when they've invested so much time in it at the same time? Yeah, I, I think Apple are very clever, right? In that they watch the market very closely and they're never right. too quick to make a decision on things, right? So like the Vision Pro, for example, we know they've been watching that space for many years and, and perhaps they've been doing the same here. Although I think ChatGPT was maybe an outlier in the sense that they just snuck up on everyone and went, hey, look at this. I think, but I think the real answer is probably Apple has to be, I guess they've got to tread very carefully with machine learning when it comes to there's so much at stake, right, on the device. There's so much personal information on the device. I think they've, I think they've definitely got the capability to predict a lot of things. But I think at the same time, they're probably very cautious about what data they're using to predict that. How much data do they need to predict that? I think that might be the thing, the very thing that's yep. holding back a little bit. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think like Apple has invested all their time and money in on machine or on excuse me on device machine learning and while that's very good for privacy purposes it really makes it much more difficult to do the heavy lifting that stuff like chat gpt does which is all cloud-based essentially that's that was one of the things that like i didn't understand about chat gpt was like oh like you have to you have to get a massive server to get it up and running and to do all that stuff and like Microsoft is basically lending them a ton of Azure resources to get where they're going. And that has severe limitations on privacy, obviously, but also not, it's not really Apple's wheelhouse is like the cloud per se. Yeah. And, and I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how they're going to get away with be, still being the privacy company while also taking advantage of machine learning. Right. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do that but i also know they've invested huge amounts of resources into this siri team so they 
yeah, I think it's definitely on the horizon, I would say. But yeah, it's do you think we're going to do you think when you say they've invested a lot, like they've invested a lot and we haven't seen anything because they're hiding it or because they haven't made many much success? Yeah, I don't know. I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, Cause that's what I'm not sure about either. Yeah. I think it's probably the first one though, because I don't, I'm not sure they've been working on that for a huge amount of time. I think it's probably one to two years of, of okay. time that they've probably, do you know what I mean? So you but think they've like my... purposely not like they haven't done much. And then all of a sudden in the last one to two years, now they're going to start investing more the into Siri again. Yeah. Okay. Because it seems like it comes in fits and spurts with Siri. It's, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, we're just going to say, I think, I think with the whole open AI and what's been going on, I think that's probably helped shift it into the priority right. list. Yeah. I think mean, the yeah. priorities got gone up because of what's gone on in the market. The other thing I think that we don't recognize as much, especially with this, the Vision Pro is how much... Apple is already doing when it comes to machine learning in a lot of places that are not as obvious, which is Apple style anyway, when it comes to noticing the finger pinch and face recognition and all that on-device stuff that we just take for granted that's behind the scenes. Like, Apple's been more invested in that space in the ton of machine learning that the Vision Pro and the iPhone and those devices do, as opposed to, like, the more obvious chat GPT where you're talking to someone so i think that's another thing to recognize is like we think of machine learning and we think of ai just as talking to someone that's obvious mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other stuff that's going on behind the scenes yeah and they did a ton of work on xcode i think it was maybe three years ago or four years ago and they basically rebuilt the whole predictive side of xcode i can't remember what year it was but, but they yeah. have machine learning under the hood yeah I did not know that. That's pretty amazing. Now, yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just saying auto-completing certain functions or like suggesting what's coming next. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It was like maybe three years it's really ago. Good. It is really good compared to the way mm -hmm. it used to be. Even when it's not Objective-C or Swift code. It's, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I get an idea of what you're trying to do here. Now, the question that a lot of devs will want to ask is, will we ever see a copilot, essentially, like what GitHub and Microsoft have in Xcode? I think, think of, I think and like, how would they get away with it for privacy? Because yeah. a lot of people are like, classic Apple, no, because privacy of their own work. What do you think? I think it'll only happen if they build it themselves. So I don't think we'll see it anytime soon. I think maybe it could happen. But I don't think it'll be soon because they're never going to say, okay, we're going to adopt Copilot, for example. Yeah, um, of course they build up themselves. Yeah. But yeah. obviously that's going to take up. But who knows, right? They might come out in four months' time and say, hey, look at what, look what we've built. <laughs> like Have it. you played around with Copilot, Visual Studio Code? I've only used it a little bit. So I use VS quite a lot for the scripting side of stuff that I'm building, but I only trialed it. I've never built a whole project or, or anything okay. like that when i do web dev i've been using it and i'm just amazed at its ability to know what css i'm going like a video css is rather visual right as far as oh what you want to do and like now oh you did this with this paragraph so obviously you want to mm -hmm. do this and yeah i love it it's amazing i don't need it but man that's like really nice to have um yeah 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 i've been using chat gpt 
like sometimes I'll paste it like a snippet of a bash script and wow, it's it can just tweak it ever so slightly just based on the recommended, like the best practice, but I don't know those best practices because I, it's not something I right. do all the time. So right. it's really nice. It'll just be like, oh yeah, this is how you would format your arguments or whatever. Um, so I've taken my laziness to another level where I'll just ask ChatGPT write me a bash script that does okay. <laughs> And I'd say, it's pretty good, honestly. It's when I like start being like, can you do this too? Can you do this? I was recently, I was doing, I wanted to write a bunch of unit tests for a library I'm working on. And I was like, write a bash script that finds every public function and creates a corresponding test file with the same directory. Pretty complicated. And I just wanted to, I was like, yeah, screw it. Let it do it. And uh, it was okay. It's the, it was fine at first, but the more and more I added more caveats, the more it was like, yeah, this isn't working. It is what it is. Yeah. And I've experienced that as well. I was doing some regex on, on something. Oh yeah. That's uh, another good one. And it, I was like, yeah, but you've not covered this case. So it would tweak the regex slightly and then it would break. And I was like, yeah, that don't work. And then it'd tweak it again. And it's, yeah, that don't work. So it just wasn't. It feels, it feels like whack-a-mole where it's like, you tell it, fix this thing. And then something breaks and then you're like, oh, yeah. fix that thing. But then the other thing breaks that are fixed previously. And it's like, it doesn't. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it's pretty darn it's good. It's pretty good. Yeah, we. <laughs> I don't think we can complain too much. No, it's, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, it's not It's not perfect. So let's talk a little bit more about our expectations. What do you think, where do you think more of like the generative AI stuff might fit in with OS 18? I think a lot more, I think we might see a lot more suggestive activity in, in iOS. I think sometimes you might see in iOS 17, you've got your notification screen or the home screen. And you might see a suggestion like, I got one over there. I think it was, I can't like remember journaling? what it was. It, I don't think it was journal, because that okay. I think that was like a push notification. I think that was like a scheduled push, but it, okay. it was something like, you normally do this, right? This is what you normally do at this time of day. Right. I think that'll get a lot more powerful in terms of better at predicting what you do throughout the day. I think we'll see a lot more suggestive um behavior there i think we'll also see like the journal is a great example where they're using like notifications i think we'll see the next level of notification center we've already seen out they've overhauled that right where they're grouping notifications they're also muting you can mute notifications but i think maybe is there a little bit more they can do there because it can still be quite noisy mm -hmm. perhaps you just don't respond to a notification so they'll just never give you it that yeah, kind of right, right. behavior so I think that might be something we'll see. I think overall, we'll just see a more stable platform. I think it'll be a lot more polished. I don't think there'll be anything massive, but I think it'll be a lot more kind of polished. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Anything else as far as iPhone is concerned you want to talk about? No, I don't think, honestly, I don't think the iPhone is going to be hugely different, to be honest. I don't think... Other I than the AI the, sprinkled throughout. The, uh, yeah. I think that, yeah. look, look, I don't think we can dispute that the focus is going to be on the Vision Pro. It's, I just think it's going to dominate every part of yeah. the... Do uh, you... So you haven't done much. I, I, neither of us have done much with Vision OS. So unfortunately, I don't think we can really speak about what we expect, per se, in the next 
six months. I'm sure there's stuff that they have on the back burner that they were waiting to do on Vision OS 2. But yeah, would, is there anything you can think of? I think what we're going to see is we're going to see um, the Verity released a PR this week, yesterday or this morning, press release showing 600 apps for Vision Pro or something like that. I think we're going to see we're going to see the usual marketing right around this device being sold out. It's now in the hands of real people. This is how it's helping people day to day. And we've already got developers building apps. We've got six hundred apps built specifically for Vision Pro. Right, we're going to see yeah. this this usual push from uh, from Apple. And I think looking forward, I think they'll just keep building on that. And then I'm just banking on a cheaper device. Like I'm just waiting for this cheaper, more affordable Vision Pro. So <laughs> I just saw a post today. We I was talking to Kyle in the last episode. Like I didn't see any like business apps, but it sounds like Microsoft is going to start building Teams and Office for Vision OS. Okay. That's a really good sign. I think two might see more like tutorials of here's how to bring your iPhone app to the vision vision os or here's how to bring an ipad app to vision os because i think that's probably where they'll push it more supposed to adding more features is trying to help people transition to vision os because that's really what they want Mm. i think i could see a lot of tutorials like that i think we will but i think the vision pro is slightly different these days because if you support ipad you're pretty much fine like it looked great on vision pro right but I think so there I think, could be like bells and whistles where it's like, I don't, I'm not as familiar with Mac Catalyst, but I would assume it's something like that where it's, yeah, you can just bring your iPad app over, but here are some things you could do to make it better on the Mac. Probably yeah, it's like that. exactly that. And then I think we'll see a lot of tutorials of just building for Vision Pro, right? Building okay. a brand new app for Vision Pro. And that's when you really could take advantage of all the uniqueness to Vision Pro. But I think it's slightly different in the sense that, yeah, you could, if you've got an app already and it's using SwiftUI, then it's pretty much going to render pretty nicely in in Vision Pro. Granted, right. it's going to be a window, right? It's going to look like the iPad or however big you make the window in the in the Vision Pro screen. Where yeah. do we call it? <laughs> yeah. Then it'll look fine. It'll work fine. It, it responds to all of the same keyboard interactions, that kind of thing. It's basically the same. But I think, yeah, we'll see a lot of tutorials of how to build a Vision Pro app, that that kind of thing. What do you think we'll see with the other OSs as far as last year was a big watch here, so I don't feel like we're going to get a lot there. TV is always there. It's a thing. The Mac, are we going to see anything on the Mac front? I don't know what, I wish they keep fixing bugs, but good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? I think we'll just see... The small additions that we tend to see. And it's funny, isn't it? Because like for people who have been around for many years, they used to make a big song and dance about big features, right? Where, because they were big at the time. But now we're getting to a point where features, like small improvements are like big features. I remember <laughs> they they brought out like stickers on iMessage or something like that. And it was the you know, oh, front there's and always those things, of, right. of WWDC. It was like Was it Animojis? Card. Like, yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah. there's always these things that they push that kind of people forget about. But what's the, what is the thing that came out either last year or two years ago that was like on the iPad and Mac where you could see all your apps? And yeah. Like, yes. I don't know anybody that uses Stage Manager. Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I want, do want to talk about one other device that we have mentioned, but the iPad. Yeah, I'm like, 
I feel every year they try to make it a thing. And I know they're like desperate to make a big redesign of it. And I know there's this rumor about the 13 inch iPad Air, but I don't know what they're going to do with the iPad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's in that middle ground of it's almost doing what a Mac can do, but it's also a, a device you can hold and touch. And it's like right. a, it's a difficult, because I remember Microsoft did this, right, with the Surface? Yeah, was it the Surface or the one before that? But it was a version of Microsoft, and it was like, yeah, this don't work for any device that isn't touch. (laughs) 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 So so I think it's a tough challenge to, I think it's a hard nut to crack, but I think think we'll see the usual improvements and changes to make it better for working, for an environment to to work in. But I'm not sure. Actually, it's... I think the feature where you can have the split screen, right? So you can have yeah. two apps open. I think there's a lot more they could do with that. Like even having more of a grid. So you could have a split screen vertically, but maybe a horizontal. Can you do? I don't think that's... No, you cannot do horizontal. You, do... you can only do vertical. So maybe, yep. maybe there's more layout things they could do to improve work inside of it. People that work on the iPad. So maybe we'll see f- things like that. And it would be really nice if they could open that up as well for developers for, so you can... Maybe, I think, like... I don't know. To me, like, the biggest hurdle is the business case and the lack of cross-application, like, sharing. I think those are the two big hurdles with the iPad. And if they can figure those out somehow, I think it, it could be better. But it's just hard... Especially, I've been saying this, especially since the Apple Silicon transition, like it's, you can get a Mac cheaper that does more than yeah. you can for an iPad Pro. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's who's, who's buying the iPad? What's the target market for the iPad? Because like you say, right. if you're working, you could get a Mac for the same it, price. Yeah, yeah. If not it, cheaper. Exa- so yeah. Always the target market, more the casual playing games or. Taking notes, studying, that that kind of thing. I did notice yesterday at the coffee shop that there were a couple of people, at least two or three people with iPads and keyboards. Okay. Yeah. It's still a thing, I guess. So yeah, we'll see about this here. You wanna talk I wanna talk about Swift and Xcode. There is one big feature I'm looking forward to. I don't so we got five ten coming out pretty soon in Xcode fifteen three, I believe. I don't know if Xcode 16 will be... I don't think it's going to be 6. 6 is going to be a while, but I do think it'll probably be 5.11 or 5.12 or something. The big feature I'm really looking forward to is typed throws. Have you seen this? I've not. No. So we're getting typed throws pretty soon where we can specify the type of error that gets thrown. I think that's something Ah, I'm really looking forward to. I think I did see this actually on something... So one of the big problems with errors is like, we don't know what time, like we don't know what error gets thrown. And so if it's, Mm -hmm. if you know what error is going to actually be thrown because you're the one defining the function, Mm -hmm. when you catch it, there's no way you have to have a catch for, Mm -hmm. for every error type, even though you'll never throw those other error types. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah, it almost feels like, why is it only just coming now? <laughs> like it feels... Yeah, I think it's like an oversight when they started adding Tri-Catch yeah. and like they're finally getting it in now that now that they have the time to do it. Go ahead. I've not really, I've not really been keeping an eye on like the proposals and stuff. Is there any of... Is that the sort of key takeaway for you? I've not really seen... Yeah, that's the one that I know in the public... I don't know that we have a macro or a Swift UI type thing that's going to be, that's on the docket. I think a lot of where Swift is at is preparing for Swift 6. And Swift mm. 6 is essentially like more and more tightening on the async await front. If you enable some of the, like the checks that go in with Swift 6. I think I posted an article about that before, but you can enable that and get warnings and see what issues you will see in the future. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of it is like more strict concurrency checking. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's going to be, I think they're just getting ready for, <clears throat> excuse me. I think they're getting ready for that because I don't know of any rumored or proposed changes to Swift that, are like kind of hints to what big features might be coming out. So we had DSL yeah. before Swift UI and we had macros before Swift data. So I don't see anything like that this year. It was already a big year last year with macros and Swift data. I just can't imagine that yeah, we're going to get something else big. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it'll be like it. I think it'll be like any other year where we've seen previously. Yeah. I think I it's still think off be... year because last year was so yeah, big. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it, and we see this approach quite a lot where there's like big, huge changes and then it's, we need to slow down. We need to fix, fix issues, get it stable. Um, fix Swift data. <laughs> I've not used, I've not done, to, to be honest, I, in my day job, I, we're still UI kit. We have a little bit of Swift UI stuff. Like we've just built the live activity the dynamic island we've built all that in swift ui and we're also looking at the watch which is probably going to be in in swift ui but we've not we've not done a huge so, to be honest that's interesting because it's like the stuff you've done in swift ui swift ui is the stuff you have to do in swift ui right like live activities exactly. is not available on ui kit if you want it if you want to torture yourself and do watch kit you could but um yeah <laughs> Swift UI is basically the way to develop in the watch. Mm -hmm. And do you, what do you think? So you do a lot of UI kit right now, correct? Yeah. Where, how does it feel? How does it feel to still be a UI kit developer? What, like, what's the game plan and what do you think is going to happen with UI kit this year? Do I like, I don't follow UI kit as much because mm -hmm. I've, once Swift UI came out, I pretty much have gone all in. But UI kit's awesome. It works. It's smooth. It, you don't have performance issues, things like that. Do they still come out with talks for UI kit? Are you like, do you feel like you're lagging behind by continuing to have to support UI kit? Like, how do you feel about it right now? Yeah, no, this is a really interesting question. We actually had, to, so there's only four of us on the iOS team here. We had a catch up yesterday, actually, and we were chatting on a similar topic about this. I don't know. Like, I think, I think Swift UI. And UIKit is very different to where we were with Swift and Objective-C. So I think that's a, I think that's something we have to mention straight away because often I think they can be in a similar debate, right, when it comes to this. I think it's very different. And I think that will be reflected in how Apple approaches this. I think 
Rykit will still be maintained. It'll still have bugs fixed, new features, new improvements. I think we'll see that for some time. But of course, Apple will always recommend SwiftUI as, as the way to build apps going forward. And I think Apple will keep And clearly, pushing. was it last year or two years ago when they had the thing where it's like, we see SwiftUI as the future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes complete sense. However, I think, I think people who have been building on UIKit Moving to SwiftUI is fine. Like, I, I don't think that's a huge task. But I think people from SwiftUI to UIKit is a huge task. So I think actually we're probably at an advantage in, in that there's a lot of apps out there that are fully UIKit, still relying on UIKit. So I think we've probably got an advantage in the, in the industry in terms of attracting that work, right? Because mm. if there's a lot of people who are just entering iOS and they're only doing SwiftUI. I think there's a huge opportunity of apps out there that, that need UIKit development. I think that's one thing to consider. And then I think the next thing to think about is because there's so many apps still using UIKit, I can't see a world where Apple says, guys, we're not going to maintain this. We're not going to... I just think it's going to be years well, and years So it's before. more like new new widgets will always be swift ui like not new views but new widgets mm -hmm. new like brand new outside of the app infrastructure things will be will only be in swift ui widgets and live activities and stuff like that but then yeah i think you're right i think ui kit will still be available on on the app i think they'll still come out with tweaks and a improvements to it it seems like that like especially what's a big one moving a ui collection view for pretty much everything that's been a big thing yeah i agree 100 percent. it's yeah i was just gonna say i have a talk that i did about transitioning from objective c to swift because there's still objective c code out there and it's yeah mm -hmm. there's still a market for apps that like that to me is a much more bigger push to get off of objective c than it is to get off of ui code totally yeah, you're talking like a fundamental language versus building UI effectively. Yeah. So I think it is different, but what is I going to say? Do you, Vision Pro, is that UI kit or is it just Swift UI? Oh, that's a really good question. Should I, yeah, UI collection view is in Vision OS. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's iOS, iPad OS, Mac Catalyst, TV, and Vision OS. So yeah, because it's a... I was saying that because with tvOS, it's UIKit as well. It's the watch and Mac that the outliers that have their own yeah. system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But most people are going to choose SwiftUI, right? It's I, even me. It's uh, for people who already have an existing app. Like yeah. you said, Apple wants to make it as easy as possible for people to transition their apps over. And that makes total sense. Yeah. Because with UIKit. I was trying it. So the company I work for at Circuit, I basically compiled the app that we have for the Vision Pro, and it works fine. It looks like an iPad <laughs> it's just, yeah. just in front of you. So yeah, it's, yeah, like you said, they just want to, they just want it to work. And as well, I think the Vision Pro is ticked on by default in App Store Connect. So yeah, they just want most apps available as possible. Adam, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we close out? No, just just been great. I know we, we chatted right at 360 idea and he was like, oh, it'd be great to have you on the podcast. And here we are like one year later. <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully I'll see you in person at some conference. 
soon. We'll see. Maybe I'll make it to Leeds. We'll see. Uh, That'd be awesome. Yeah, and people can buy a ticket, fill out a CFP. They'll be out in a few days, so definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, thank you, Adam, for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Where can people find you online? So I'm on, I was going to say Twitter, I'm on X as Adam Nine Rush, and I'm also on LinkedIn and... Yeah, you can grab me on those platforms and the website is swiftleads.co.uk if you want to check out the conference. Awesome. Thank you again, Adam. Thanks for having me. People can find me on X at Leo G. Dion, Mastodon at leogdion.c at c.im. My company is Bright Digit. Take a look there. We got some new blog posts on the new Swift Open API generator if you're interested in using that. Updates to Swift Archi- or Swift Architecture guide so definitely check that out if you enjoyed this episode please take some time to post a review and if you're watching this on youtube and subscribe thank you so much have a good rest of your day bye everyone